Well, it's a privilege for us to be here today, and uh, we have enjoyed uh, our fellowship with Pastor Rogers and his family. Um, and we had lasagna uh, last night, and it was delicious. My wife, uh, she, she was telling me that uh, she wanted more, and um, you know, that, that means it's really good. Uh, so we enjoyed uh, the fellowship and enjoyed uh, also meeting some of you folks here today. And we're so thankful to be here. I'm also thankful, you know, the Greens are here, good friends of our family. My pastor has been um, a longtime friend of your pastors, and, you know, he's been uh, gracious to us as well. Let's turn our Bibles, please, to 1 Samuel chapter 14. Pastor said uh, two hours, minimal two hours, so uh, I'll try to hit that at least. No, uh, I won't be long today. 1 Samuel chapter 14. First Samuel chapter 14, verse number 5 and 6. Let's stand together as we read First Samuel chapter 4, uh, I'm sorry, 13. First Samuel 13, 5 and 6. Here's what the Bible says. And the Philistines gathered themselves together to fight with Israel, 30,000 chariots and 6,000 horsemen and people as a sand which is on the seashore in the multitude. And they came up and pitched and mikmash eastward from Beth David. Let's read verse number 6 together. When the men of Israel saw that they were in a strait, for the people were distressed, then the people did hide themselves in caves and in thickets and in rocks and in high places and in pits. Let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for allowing us to be a church. And Lord, we're thankful for the Bible, thankful for what it tells us and the lessons that we could learn. I pray, Lord, that the Holy Spirit would work in our hearts. I know, Lord, that there's a message you've given me. And I know, Lord, it's uh, spoken to me and changed me. Pray, Lord, that the Holy Spirit would speak to the rest. We love you in Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. May be seated. In chapter 13, the Philistines gathered themselves that day at the cliff of Michmash. For years, they have warred. They would... Uh, taunt the God of Israel, proclaimed Dagon to be more powerful. They gathered in this cliff with confidence, ready for a decisive battle and a decisive victory. It's a battle, by the way, that's been raging for 200 years, and the Philistines here are standing tall, and for good reason, because on the other side of that valley, at the Strait of Gibeah, is the army of Israel, Bible says they were scattered, they were afraid, they were hiding in caves, in thickets, and rocks, in pits, and in high places. They were scared. They were hiding. Now, why was that the case? The Philistines here had a massive advantage. In fact, if you could just look through uh, the battles in the Bible, Besides Gideon's 300 versus 135,000 Midianites, this is probably maybe the second, but this is probably the second biggest mismatch in the wars in the Bible. I mean, the Bible says in verse number, 30, uh, verse number 5, 30,000 chariots, 6,000 horsemen, people that can't be numbered. I was trying to find out how many people were there. Uh, I couldn't get uh, an exact number. But it was at least 40,000 
of these Philistines. And then to add on to that, I'm going to just give you here the background of this uh, story. To add on to that, the Philistines had mastered producing iron. If you look into the history of the Philistines, they were very industrial. They had, um, you know, they were experts into, in making weapons. The Bible says that they had mastered the pr- production of iron. And in fact, if you read here in chapter 13, you will find in verse number, um, let's go there, verse number 19. And there was no smith found throughout all the land of Israel. For the Philistines said, lest the Hebrews make themselves swords and spears. But all of Israelites went down to Philistine to sharpen every man his share and his coulter and his axe and his uh, mattocks. And I want you to see here, the Israelites didn't have any smiths. And if they were to get anything sharpened, if they were to get any kind of uh, gardening tools, they would have to go to Philistines. So I want you to see the Philistines had this massive army. They had better weapons. They had better uh, 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 chariots. They had more of an industrial nation. And they were fighting Israel with no weapons. And I'd like you to see how many people were there. In verse number 15, chapter 13, it says, Samuel arose and got him up from Gilgal unto Gibeah of Benjamin. And Saul numbered the people that were present with him, about 600 men. So can you imagine this war, this battle? 30,000 chariots, 6,000 horsemen, people that can't be numbered against this army of 600 with gardening tools. I'd like you to see here, Israel's chances were very slim. It is no wonder that they were hiding in caves. They were scattered. How are they going to have this victory? I'd like you to see here, God used Jonathan, Saul's son, and his armor bearer to lead Israel to victory against all odds. And I'd like to preach that this morning against all odds. You know, we, you might think that we have such a big battle ahead of us. How could we win it? How could we forward the gospel of Christ? How could we live right in this generation? It's such a slim chance. But church, I, I'd like you to see that God could give you the victory against all odds. Number one, I'd like you to see in chapter 14... Verse number 1, chapter 14, verse number 1. Now it came to pass upon a day that Jonathan, the son of Saul, said unto the young man that bare his armor, Come and let us go over Philistines' garrison that is on the other side. But he told not his father. Number one, like you see, how do we, have, how do we win against all odds? Number one, we have to be uncomfortable. Uncomfortable. Jonathan here was uncomfortable. He was tired of hiding. The armies of Israel found comfort in the caves. They thought that they were safe. But he knew that that wasn't going to win the war. So Jonathan said in verse number one to his armor bearer, let us go. You know, let's go. Let's do something about this. Jonathan couldn't wait. He could not sit idle. He couldn't just watch the pride of the Philistines, their practice, their, uh, uh, their evil um, uh, way of worship. You know, the, uh, uh, they were sacrificing children to the fire of Dagon. Uh, I mean, the whole uh, uh, nation of the Philistines, it was almost, a, you could say, like a cancerous nation. They were spreading uh, their worship, their culture, and it was uh, really leading men to sin. 
they were mocking God. They were taunting God. And I'd like you to see here, Jonathan, he knew all that and he was uncomfortable. He could not wait and, 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 and look at what was happening. So he said, let's go. Let's go. I'm, I'm tired of hiding. We got to do something. Jonathan here was not going to let things happen in his life. He was going to make things happen in his life. You know, he didn't complain about the lack of men. He didn't complain about the lack of resources. He didn't complain about the horrible decision that Saul had made on impulse to declare war against the Philistines. You know, for Jonathan, it was not about the situation. It was not about the politics. It was not about the disadvantage. He was going to do something about it. He had to do something. He was uncomfortable. He had a burden. And he realized that hiding was not going to do anything. And church, you know, if we are in the sidelines That is not going to win the war. That is not going to win the victory. That's not going to give us victory in Christ's church. There is a war raging, but Christians are comfortable in their caves. You may ask, where is Saul, King Saul, in the midst of all of this? The Bible says that he was hiding and safe and uh, content under a pomegranate tree. And you know, church, uh, we are much like Saul. We feel safe, we feel content, we feel fine in the comforts under a pomegranate tree or in the comforts of our home. But church, there is a war that's raging. We need to move forward. Someone said evil prevails when good men do nothing. So Jonathan here, he was stirred. He was uneasy. He was uncomfortable. Church, I want to challenge you. We cannot be in the sidelines. We must move forward. We must advance, and we must get involved. We must have a burden for the loss, burden for our neighbors, burden for our classmates, our co-workers. You know, there is something that you and I could do for God. I'm going to tell you a little bit about um, uh, our ministry and uh, how it came about. You know, my pastor, uh, 18 years ago, he was serving as the Filipino pastor in Pacific Baptist Church in Long Beach. And, you know, we loved that church. It was our sending church. But that church, I think, on average, uh, around 600 a week. Uh, the Filipino ministry was growing. I think it had grown to about 100. And um, uh, my sister, she was one of the staff in the church. My dad was a Filipino pastor. He was in charge of missions. My mom was involved in the music ministry. My other sister was volunteering. Um, I was about to go to college, and, uh, you know, my youth pastor talked to me and said, you know, I want you to be involved with the youth. You know, we, we, had, we had it set, pastor. We felt very comfortable, and uh, we, we felt like, you know, this, this is it. You know, we, we, we're, you know, we're doing right. We're serving God. But my dad, he, he just couldn't get a thought out of his mind. Um, back, in the, back, back then in the trip, he had driven past by Daly City. And it was, he, he didn't go to Daly City. He just driven past it. And he had learned that Daly City had the most Filipinos condensed, uh, most uh, condensed population in the Bay Area. And he had just passed by it. It wasn't there, you know, for a day or two. He had just passed by because he knew someone from over there. And you know what? He couldn't get that thought out of his mind. Now, mind you, pastors, he is serving God in Pacific Baptist Church. 
He has a great ministry there. And, uh, you know, people were getting saved, but he just couldn't get that thought out of his mind. So he asked his pastor, you know, can we take a trip to Daly City just for, uh, just to confirm what God is speaking to me about. So we went here in uh, Daly City in the Bay Area. We spent about five days there. And come to find out, Daly City was um, uh, ruled by really three religions. It was the Church of Christ, it was a Catholic Church, and Jehovah Witness. He was talking to one man in the mall, um, and he was asking him you know, about his interest in uh, church. And he said, I already have three religions. You know, he had all three. And he said, you know, if there's one more, I'll probably add that one more. You know, Pastor, he was like Paul in, the, in Athens, the unnamed God. And as he came back, he had told Pastor about the burden he has, you know, to start a church in Daly City. Now, I'll tell you, the battle began from there. You know, five pastors that he called, he said, don't start a church there. You're not going to uh, uh, have a church there. It's too hard. It's too expensive. It's a, church, it's a preacher's graveyard. But pastor had that burden. He had that burden. And you know what? He couldn't just sit still uh, as he had heard, you know, people from his country, people that spoke his language, people that he was called to reach was dying, being ruled by false religion in Daly City. So you know what? He surrendered to preach and, and, and start a church in Daly City, California, Harvest Baptist Church. That was over 17 years ago. And praise the Lord, after 17 years, we've knocked on every single door in Daly City. Hundreds and hundreds of people are getting saved. Thank God people are, uh, um, you know, going to the ministry. We had many people in Bible College. We had people sent to the mission field. You know, it all took, what, what did it take to do that? One man being uncomfortable. One man that said, you know, I have to do something. I have to do something. You know, church, we all can do something. We all can do something. You know, the answer is not nothing. We all could be part of it. We could do something for God. You know, Phineas, he was tired of seeing his fellow men being killed. God was plaguing them because of the sin. So Phineas, he went out and did something about it. And he got rid of the sin. Moses, he saw the injustice against his people. So he went out, out of the comforts of the palace, and said, let my people go. David, he was tired of hearing the Philistine, Goliath, mock God. So he went out in the name of the Lord, he volunteered, and won that fight. Church, don't get comfortable. There is a war. Let's do something about it. And I want you to see, church, Jonathan, he was uncomfortable he could not wait, and he said, I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to do whatever. Whatever God has for me, I'm just going to go. I'm going to volunteer. I'm going to be involved. Uh, I'm going to obey God. I'm going to go. Church, we all could do something. Amen? All of us here can do something. I remember uh, one of the young people I've won, um, his, his name is Ren. Um, he started going to our church when he was still, uh, you know, just a young guy. He was about, I think, 13, 13 years old, maybe. And uh, I remember uh, having to pick him up. He lived in this apartment, and he had that, um, that little balcony area. And I remember I would pull up uh, to his house, and I would see him look out the balcony, and he would hide. 
And I would always say, Brandon, I saw you. Come down, man. It's church time. It's church time. And he would always do that. He would go, ah, oh, he's there. And I would bring him to church. And at first, you know, he's just that weird. He's still weird. But, but uh, you know, he's that weird, awkward guy. But, man, God, God, God got a hold of his heart. And, uh, of course, he got saved and he got involved. Now he's in Baba College. Uh, I think he, did he graduate? Yeah, I did. I think he did. Uh, he graduated. Now he's, uh, you know, working part-time for our church. He's one of the best soul winners in our church. Um, he, he has a ministry, and I make fun of him. Uh, he, has a, he has this basketball ministry. What he does is he plays basketball with some of our guys in the park, and he would lose because he's not very good, but he would win them to the Lord. After, you know, he would lose, but he would win for Christ. Amen. He would play basketball afterwards. He would uh, always have a track with him. And he would say, you know, hey, can I share this with you guys from our, this from our church? And then he would win them to the Lord. I think I uh, last talked to him um, last, um, uh, the middle of the month last year. And already he had won about 60 people doing that. I, I think he had maybe, you know, 100 last year. Just doing that. You know, church, all of us could do something. Even an awkward boy can do something for the Lord. Number one, I want you to see he was uncomfortable. Secondly, in verse number six to seven, uh, chapter 14, verse number six to seven, and Jonathan said to the young man that bare his armor, come, let us go over into the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us, for there is no restraint to the Lord, to say by many or by few. And his armor bearer said unto him, Do all that is in thine heart. Turn thee, behold, I am with thee according to thy heart. So I would like you to see here, they devised a plan. We're going to go. We're going to do something. And then he said here in verse number 6 and 7, God will, you know, um, save many or by few. I'm just going to go out in faith. And he said, you know, while everybody is hiding, I'm going to let them discover us. I'm going to let them find Find us. So here they are. They go into that straight where uh, Bonus and Senna was. Bonus bon, uh, 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 was where the Philistines were supposed to be. Senna is where the Israelites were, but they were hiding. So they go in that, uh, in, in, in that valley. And sure enough, and this was the plan, they said, if the Philistines are going to come to us, we'll hold our ground. But if they tell us uh, to come up to where they are, God has given us the victory. So here they are. They let themselves get discovered. And sure enough, the Philistines said, hey, won't you come up? They're mocking them, mocking him. Won't you come? We'll show you something. We'll show you a thing or two. Come up over here. And Jonathan, he knew that God has given them the victory. But here's, here's where I want to ask you this question. Now they're in that bottom, they're in that valley. They're supposed to go up and scale this cliff. I was looking at the, the images of where this should be. I mean, I'll tell you what, it's not an easy climb. It was a stiff, uh, or a, um, stiff, a steep cliff that they had to climb. The Bible says that they climbed this with their hands, their feet. They had no rope. They had no climbing gear. Now, what would you do at that point? God said, I will give you that victory up there. But you have to climb up. Huh? I want you to see, number one, they were uncomfortable, but secondly, they were unwavering, unwavering. I remember um, having to change the lights in our church, Pastor. 
um, our ceiling is not quite this high. This is really high. I'm scared of heights. So just looking at that makes me a little bit uneasy. But I, I had to um, I changed the lights. Uh, my kids were there with me. And, you know, my, I always tell my kids, Pap, Papa's not scared of anything. <laughs> and uh, um, one, uh, Bert Dan, one of our uh, deacons, he, said, he, he got the, the big ladder up. And, man, I'll tell you, it was, it, it was high. And my kids are looking at me, you know, you could do that. You could change the lights. And here I am, like, I, 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 I could do that. And I start climbing. I mean, I'm not even halfway. I'm ready to give up. I'm ready to go back down. But here, Jonathan and his armor bearer, he, you know, victory was on top. And all they had to do was trust God and, say, and, and climb this, uh, this mountain. Church. We need to be unwavering. We need to step out in faith. We need to go out. I know it's going to be tough. I know it might be uh, uh, something out of your comfort zone. I know that it's going to be difficult. But trust God. Have faith in him. I'm going to give you a quick summary here because this is an incredible story. Uh, Jonathan and um, his armor bearer, they scaled that mountain. They got up and they defeated. 20 people in that garrison. Now, that garrison was there for a reason. Uh, the garrison was, um, you know, it surrounded Mechbash where the Philistine army was. That was there so that they could have a lookout, make sure that, you know, Israel wasn't, you know, planning to uh, surround them, you know, do some kind of strategic move. So the garrison was a lookout. They would bring that information. But Jonathan defeated them, uh, defeated that, the 20 men there. And then uh, they had found a strategic place. He got around. Uh, where the Philistines were. So this is uh, the army, the rest of the army that were hiding. He got around them. So he got a strategic place overlooking, uh, you know, the Philistine army. And then because God had, uh, because he had scaled that, God had enabled him to defeat the 20, get into a strategic place. And then where they, when they were behind the Philistine army, guess what? God sent an earthquake. There was a commotion. They thought, oh man, Israel, you know, they hired someone or uh, they, they had more people come over and they thought that they had been surrounded, someone in, you know, behind, someone in front. So, and this is the middle, middle of the night, you know, it's dark. So they started to panic. So they're here, they're, they're fleeing. And the Bible says that the Philistines began to just kill each other. They thought that they were the enemy. God gave that victory. That was a start of the victory. But how did that happen, church? Because Jonathan and his armor bearer was unwavering, unwavering. When the Philistines saw that commotion, they trembled, and God was beginning to give them that victory. Church, the plan was crazy. The plan was a suicide mission. But for Jonathan and his armor bearer, they knew that God would intervene. They knew that God would help them out. They knew that God would, um, uh, would, uh, 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 would bless their faith. They had faith in him. They had confidence that God is more powerful. They, had, they knew that God is greater. They knew that God is able. So they fought. And after they had, slow, uh, they had slew that 20, God gave them that strategic place. God brought that earthquake. And God was beginning to give them that victory. Church, we must be unwavering. Amen. Unwavering. We must show faith. You know, I find, I find that this is always that wall that we have to break as a Christian, to step out in faith. You know, it's pretty easy to obey when it's 
easy. <laughs> it's easy to obey when there's not a lot of faith involved. But when we have to step out in faith, scale that mountain, that's when it gets difficult. But let me remind you, church, that's where the victory is. God set that plan in motion. God was going to show his strength, but it needed someone to be unwavering. You know, we think serving God is this uh, whole battle that we have to fight ourselves. We think that it's a whole battle that um, we have to fight uh, with not a lot of, you know, power, ammunition. We think it's about, you know, reading our Bible, our whole Bible, praying for hours, getting good at soul winning, getting good at teaching. But church, you know, it's not like that. It's always just one step towards the right direction. And let me remind you, church, that when you take that step, God is always there to help you. You know, for, for Jonathan, he didn't have to defeat the 40-something thousand Philistines. No, all he had to do was scale that mountain by faith. And God took care of the rest. You'll see the power of God and the enabling of God if we step out in faith. I remember when I was in Bible college, um, at this time my dad was going on deputation because he was going to start a church in Daly City. So, you know, my parents, uh, they're in deputation for three months, just three months, uh, and Actually, at that time, they had sold their home. You know, they're going out in faith as well. And I'm here in Bible college, and, um, and I got laid off work. Uh, you know, it's, it's a contract position, so I got laid off. And I'm financially withdrawn, Pastor. Um, and to be quite frank with you, if, 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 uh, if I had to go home, I wouldn't know where to go. <laughs> I would be homeless, you know. Um, and I, this was a... a, a you know, a spiritual battle for me. And I'm here driving home from uh, work where I just got laid off. And, and I'm praying to God, Lord, you know, I don't know what to do. Uh, but I know that you brought me here. You brought me to Bible College here. I wasn't planning to go on this on Golden State, but God had a plan. Um, and I told him, Lord, you brought me here. And I know you want me to stay here. You know, I didn't come here to fail. You didn't bring me somewhere to fail. You, you want to give me victory. And I'm here praying while I'm driving. By the way, my eyes are open, okay? Uh, uh, so I'm praying and driving. And, man, I'm just, I, I, I'm just trying to uh, get victory from God. And after I prayed, and, Pastor, I, I promise you this is a true story. After I prayed, I got a phone call. It was my, my auntie. And she said, you know, God spoke to me and told me to give you this amount of money. And I checked later what the amount was. It was exactly what I needed to pay for my college. You know, church, it just goes to tell you that if you step out in faith, God will give you the strength. God would enable you. Number one, I want you to see that Jonathan, he was uncomfortable. Secondly, he was unwavering. And then thirdly, I'd like you to see here the unity. The unity. Now, this is incredible. If you read in verse number 16... Chapter 14, verse number 16, the watchmen of Saul and Gibeah of Benjamin looked, and behold, the multitude melted away, and they went on beating down one another. Verse number 20, and Saul and all the people that were with him assembled themselves, and they came to battle. And behold, every man's sword was against his fellow, and there was a very great discomfiture. 
Verse 21, moreover, the Hebrews that were with the Philistines before that time, which went up with them into the camp from the country round about, even they also turned to be with the Israelites that were with Saul and Jonathan. So it all started with Jonathan and his armor bearer being uncomfortable, being unwavering, but it quickly inspired the rest of the people of Israel. We see here that Saul got involved. Not only that, not only Saul, but those that were with the Philistines, uh, either they were captured uh, or they were forced to, or they had turned tails to be with the Philistines. Even they joined the battle. And not only that, but the people that were hiding joined the battle. Now, can you imagine that? If one person just got involved, got on fire for God, had faith, a bunch of other Christians began to be on fire. Those that were comfortable, those that were, you could say, you know, the, 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 those that were with the Philistines, you could say maybe the backslidden Christians, and those that were hiding, those that were not doing anything, they got involved. Like you see here, the unity, the unity, they joined the battle. They joined uh, the fight. Now, I want you to see the Philistines were already killing themselves, um, and Jonathan is here. You know, he, he's behind them. He's fighting them. And then Saul joined the battle. The rest of the Hebrews and the Philistines joined the battle. Those that were hiding joined the battle, and God gave them a victory. You know, what seemed to be impossible was not possible with God. And by the way, it was all glory to God. Whenever we step out in faith and surrender, we see God work. And not only that, but we influence others to join the fight. In Acts, the disciples, they were, Bible says, were of one accord. And we saw what happened when people were in unity, where when they were in one accord, thousands added to the church. In fact, they said that over half of um, Israel, uh, because of the movement, because of the disciples, over half was one for Christ. Unity starts with one. To get others involved, we must first be involved. I know I'm telling you a lot of stories, Pastor, but this one is one of my favorite. Um, we had one little uh, teenage girl in our church, and um, Pastor announced that we were going to have a building banquet. We're going to try to get into this new building. And we were, at that time, meeting in a school. We were going to have at least our own uh, building that we were going to rent, but it, it, it had a lot of, you know, fixes, and it, it's going to take a lot of money for us to get there. And one of the uh, teenage girls uh, that came, I, I remember winning her and her brother to the Lord. She just, she, she just got on fire and said, you know what, I, I want to do something about it. I want to give towards this banquet. So she said, I'm going to sell candy. And uh, Cassie, you know her, it's a CD. Uh, CD used to work uh, for, for Cassie, actually. Um, she went to a Baba College. But she was just a teenager at that time. She said, I'm going to sell um, C's candy. Two dollars. You know, what could that do? Um, you know, what kind of dent could that make, right, for this building banquet? We needed thousands and thousands of dollars. So she began to sell candy after school in the post office. And, man, she did it faithfully every day. Uh, for, for months leading up to our um, stewardship banquet. 
And that little girl, uh, she didn't have much, but she started to sell. And um, I remember the week before the banquet, she gave that testimony that she was selling candy. And she had mentioned, I'm already, I'm already uh, uh, at $1,000 that I'm going to give to the banquet. Just a little girl selling candy. And I remember when people heard that, man, they got fired up. They got convicted. I mean, this little girl had $1,000 to give uh, towards the banquet. It's not something that she's going to keep for herself. It was to give towards the Lord. And, man, people got involved. People started to give. It was the biggest banquet we've had, Pastor. Even up till now, that, that was still the biggest banquet we had. I think we had over eighty to 100000 and enabled us to move into our new building. Why? Because a little girl said, I'm going to do something. And because she stepped out and did something, it inspired others to give. The unity. Church, we need to be together. Amen. Someone needs to step out, be unwavering, do something for God. And that will start to influence others to do the same. And lastly here, and I promise I'm done looking at the clock. I want to point out here that although Jonathan surrendered and said, let's go, let's fight. um, And he came out with his armor bearer with his sword. But remember this, uh, the Philistines, they took out all of the blacksmiths in Israel. But in, in verse number 19, very quickly, chapter 13, verse number 19, they took out all the Philistines or all the, uh, um, the blacksmith in Israel. So nobody had um, a sword or a spear. But there were two swords in Israel. In verse number 22, So it came to pass in the day of battle that there were neither sword nor spear found in the hand of any of the people that were with Saul and Jonathan, but with Saul and with Jonathan, his son was there found. There was two swords in all of Israel. One was with Jonathan, one was with Saul. We know what Jonathan was doing with that sword. He went out there to fight. He went out there to uh, uh, defend and defeat the enemies. His sword was being used. But Saul was safely still in the sheath. It was under a pomegranate tree. You know, church, we all have a sword of the Lord. Amen? We all have the promise of victory. We have the promise of his power. Don't let your sword be unused. Use your sword. Use your influence. Use your faith. You know, later on in verse number 30, there was another wrong decision that Saul did. He, uh, uh, um, and by the way, it held back the power of God. He had told them not to eat anything. And, um, um, and uh, uh, Jonathan, he, he didn't hear that command. He ate of the honey. And he had learned what Saul had done. And he had said that, man, we could have even had a greater victory. Church, I want to just challenge you today that God has given you the tools that you need, the strength that you need to have victory. Can you, can you, can you believe this? God said, I'll give you victory. You know, it's not for you to fail. I mean, there, there is a way for you to have that victory. There's a way for us to, have, to accomplish his will. He didn't give you something that he knows you're going to fail at. No, church, he's, he's telling you that I'm giving you victory. Just obey. Just have faith. Don't let your sword be unused. I want to challenge you today, church. Claim God's promise. Claim God's promise. 
Bible says he will never leave you nor forsake you. He will be your help in a time of need. Now, you may say it's really impossible to fight today. It's useless. The world is too big. The, 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 the devil is too strong. The world's reach is too long. We're outnumbered. We have no chance. But Jonathan here, he was uncomfortable. He was unwavering. He unified his people, and his sword did not go unused. Jonathan won the battle against all odds. 